Hello and welcome back to Absurdity, where we discuss all things absurd in religion, culture, and society. My name is Ryan Becker, and I am joined by my not-so-nice guy, co-host Henry Johnson. And there is a very specific reason I said that that way, Henry. I, 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 fi- I figured you're saying that because of the comment we just made off air before we started about our topic for today. Yes, that is absolutely correct. Um, so several months ago, I was on Reddit, as I, as I do on a daily basis, and I came across he lives there. this comment in the, uh, the subreddit called Nice Guys. Now, Nice Guys, if you've never heard this term of like what a nice guy is, essentially nice, a nice guy is a self-proclaimed nice guy. That That is, so it's someone who would call themselves a nice guy. Usually someone who is, who hides their mistreatment of specifically of women uh, behind a veil of of being kind. So they'll they'll first be kind and then when they go to make an advance on a woman and they're rejected for any number of reasons, the suddenly their true form comes out and then they complain about being friend zoned or and how all women are terrible and suddenly like it's just like a flip or a, a switch is flipped in uh, in their and mind. And then they're not so nice. Correct. So this subreddit is, which means I'm now not sure how to take that statement at the beginning. You're at not, first, you're it could a have not been taken so nice as if guy. I am. Uh, yeah, but is that because uh, you rejected my advances and I started acting weird because I'm married, <laughs> or like what? What? Like what? I don't get no, now. No, no, at first, no, I was no, like, oh, means... he's trying to compliment me for not being an, one Correct. of those nice guys. But now all of a sudden, it's like, but yeah, then they show their true colors and they're not nice because they got rejected. So tell me, Ryan, what am I? Henry, you are the epitome of what every man should be, so you've never been rejected. So there was no opportunity for you to be a nice guy, Henry. That's the whole I can tell you didn't know I can tell you didn't know me in high school. I can tell you didn't either. Uh so the um I true. The, this subreddit is one that really does it most of the the posts feature men, but but there are women who do this too. Um and so the subreddit just kind of pokes fun at this idea and some of the cringier uh, some of the cringier things that are said get featured here. And about four months ago, there was a post that was actually just a screenshot. Um, that was just a screenshot about men complaining about being friend zoned. Um, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna censor this comment. It's gonna be really obvious what word I'm censoring here because I'm gonna change it out. But uh, the original post says men always complain about being friend zoned, but do you know how much it hurts to always be sex zoned as a woman? As if our friendship only had value to you because of possible sex. Um, and in the comments of this thread or of this post, um, there was a comment that essentially someone was breaking down this idea of the friend zone that, uh, and why men are using or may use friendship as a vehicle to uh, intimacy with a woman primarily. And this this is a comment that we're not taking this as rule of law or like a like a like a hardline authority, but I think what what this commenter expresses actually touches on a lot of great things and I think is a launching point for really good conversation on this on this idea. Um, he, he wraps it up in, in the context of emotional intimacy and the conditioning of culture toward, or the conditioning of men from culture that, that basically makes or drives men to 
only express or only find emotional intimacy within the context of a relationship with a woman. And I think this was something that, Henry, when I sent this to you, when I finally remembered to send it to you, this was something that you pretty quickly resonated with. Sometimes I send you articles or something and you're, and then I hear back like a day later and you're like, yeah, yeah, maybe. But this one, it seemed like you, you had a pretty quick and, and kind of all in response on this. So, um, we'll link to the comment. As a side note, I just want to mention, I kind of live vicariously through Ryan in the Reddit space. I don't usually go to Reddit by myself, but since Nine out of 10 things you send me is from Reddit. That's how I'm in the know of what's going and on. And nine out of 10 things you send me, I already saw on Reddit. So it's it's pretty yeah, much yeah, how exactly. that. Exactly. Um, well, and I should, I guess I should uh, share the thrust of, of this from the comment itself. Um, and I'll just read the first little bit of it. Men don't typically have the emotional, the kind of emotional intimacy that women have with their friends. Men form bonds. Men have the kinds of re- friendships where they'd give you the shirt off their back if you needed it but they aren't taught to be open and supportive of feelings with their friends. The people men are allowed to be vulnerable and open with are women they have a romantic relationship with. That's who you open up to. That's who your emotional support is. So what happens is when a man like this finds a close friend who's a woman, they spend time together, they share feelings with each other, they talk about family, hopes, and dreams. And in their head, that's what a girlfriend is, minus the sex. And society has so badly let down men in what they expect from friendship that some of them are looking at their friends and thinking, why is she doing all the things a girlfriend does except for the romantic part? We're obviously more than friends. And this sad perspective of the world turns into a frustration and resentment that she doesn't get it. She must be toying with him because she's being a girlfriend while insisting she doesn't like him that way. Uh, And I thought this was particularly insightful. And I could see a little bit of even myself in this. Um, The just looking back on my life and the times that I've been emotionally intimate with, with anyone, it's always been a female. And even then I've, I've, it's been something I've struggled with and wrestle with to this day is actually really being emotionally vulnerable. And I think part that's part conditioning, part, uh, betrayal of other times where I have trusted. And so those are things that like I have to work through in order to build to deeper levels of emotional intimacy. But I'm curious, you know, Henry, when you read, when you looked at this comment yourself, what, was going through your mind and and how did you first start processing this idea? Well, yeah, obviously when I, when I first read it, like you, I was, I was very fascinated by the concept because I think they were getting to more of a subconscious reasoning, not in every case, uh, but I, I was definitely starting to look back on my own life, especially in my high school years. And I started realizing, oh my goodness, there's a lot of this that I did over and over and over again and didn't know why. Um, I, I remember I used to have a lot more female friends than male, and and that could be for any number of reasons, but I, I tend to be more expressive and, and, and more emotional just as a personality. And I'd never really thought then why, you know, my joke used to be, oh, well, you know, women are more emotional, so maybe I hung around them more and I was always closer to my mom. But then this comment got me really thinking that almost every, almost without fail, Every woman, at least in high school, that I was friends with for some period of time or always hanging out with, I had one of these moments where I tried to take it to a romantic level and it just failed for any number of reasons. And I remember being frustrated about that. And I don't think prior to this comment, I'd ever given it deep enough thought to wonder why. Yeah. Right. Um, and, And I knew enough, at least even then, like, 
okay, don't blame them that they're not interested, but I do remember there would be a frustration where almost to a T, very shortly after I do that, they'd start dating somebody else. Uh, so that brought up all sorts of interesting uh-huh. things in my mind. But I started th- I started thinking about this, and I was like, well, why? I felt closer to them than the guy that they would end up dating, and I'm like, why? And I never can understand. And I started thinking about this, independent of why did they and why did they not, because they have choices, obviously. And, and I was a dweeb in high school anyway, but not that dweebs aren't attractive, but just saying. And, and I really started thinking about it. It's true. We tend to have an ability, and definitely at least in my life, where women were the safe spot to be emotionally vulnerable as a guy, which might have been why I was even closer to my mom. My, my dad, and this is nothing against him at all, but maybe some people could relate. My, my dad was not very emotionally communicative. Same. Shocker. Um, and, and his, no, yes, yeah, shocker. Um, and his family wasn't either. Mm-hmm. So if you'd known my grandparents and my grandfather, like my grandfather rarely ever even said, I love you to my grandmother. Now, that's not that he treated her like garbage or that her only job was to be in the kitchen cooking or something. And 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 I think in his own ways, he tried to express it, but they were also a generation that uh, you just, they were not very emotionally communicative, definitely to other guys. Mm. And maybe that is part of it too, that we help feed it. I don't want to just blame right women for this but it's it's true you just keep building to a point where the people you are emotional with are women whether that's your mom or your sisters or or whatever and it does i was thinking i was like there's a lot of validity to this statement i, I don't know if it's 100% there but i think that's why we wanted to talk about it i got excited i said oh this is on to something um and and then it really was on to something and that it started making me think from a religious perspective from a church from from a societal perspective on so many areas that whether in the male female dating scene this is exactly correct we've taken a lot of these observations subconsciously and definitely use it in other areas for example why is it the cliche that gay men are always the most emotional mm right? Or that when guys try and get more vulnerable or emotionally each other, we start going, yo, dude, don't be gay. Besides the fact that it's insulting to the LGBTQ plus community that we kind of use these as a negative sense, all of these thoughts came to my mind and I was like, oh, that's so true that emotion for us automatically spells intimacy. And it's definitely not something that I would immediately uh, look to in another guy, and in relationships where I am more emotionally invested, like, I mean, you know, transparency, even like with you, a lot of people, we've even felt the need in public when we've been, quote, more emotional with one another to almost play up acting like we're gay. And yeah. maybe that's, again, ad- admitting in public that we're being kind of insulting and we need to grow and, and, and how insensitive that is to LGBTQ plus and individuals that really do have that attraction and they're stigmatized for it. And that's the purview of a straight white male that has the freedom to do that. So that that could be part of our conversation too. But it, it, it's true that we're awkwarded out by emotion displayed between men. Yeah. Even in a plutonic way. And so I was like, oh yeah, this comment's onto something. And I've been just really invested in that. Yeah. I I mean, I, I think of times, I would agree and co-sign everything you've said. I think a lot of those, you and I both went to, or grew up going to school in a time where using gay or, or other... Other, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna use those words for outside of that one for for the sake of 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 being appropriate on the show. But I I think we grew up in a time where using those words in a derogatory way was a normalized thing in like even mm-hmm. elementary, middle school, high school, and so a lot of that 
hardwiring has to be undone. And while it was easier to stop the vocabulary in that sense, some of those things are more internalized. And yeah, I think it's so easy for me to say to my wife, hey, I love you. But even in the times where I've said it to you, Henry, and you and I are are really, really close, I still feel this tinge of like discomfort and awkwardness. And it has mm-hmm. nothing to do yeah. with you. It's just there's something weird about it to me. And and I grew up, I don't, I cannot remember a time where my dad ever said the words, I love you. Um, that doesn't mean he didn't. And I can very clearly see the ways in which he did. He just also wasn't emotionally communicative, at least for those emotions. And I think that's one key to this is, one key to dealing with this, in my opinion, is actually reframing what emotional means. Because I think what the problem with emotional is we we always we always connect that directly to crying, sadness, or some form of vulnerability. Whereas emotional can be excitement, anger, joy, happiness. I mean, it can be calmness. It can be uh, as well as grief, sadness, and 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 um, you know, crying gets attached to it as well as an as an expression of an emotion. But every person is emotional. We all have some. We are all expressive. It's just what emotions do we more naturally align with? And I think part of that is yeah, we're we're socially conditioned or environmentally conditioned to what kind of what kind of emotions are safe to demonstrate in certain settings. And so when we when we start venturing towards the unsafe ones, it's harder. And even the guys who are trained or or taught, not trained, but taught that it's okay to be emotionally vulnerable, if they are around other guys, it's almost like if you're gonna if you're gonna teach a guy to be emotionally vulnerable and emotionally intimate outside of just the social norms, you also have to train them or, or how to lead other men in that process too. Otherwise, what's going to happen mm-hmm. is my dad tells me one thing, but then I go around all my friends and they start telling me all the other. And, and I don't have the tools necessary to resist that kind of pressure. And so then I slowly start to potentially abandon abandon the ideas that my dad may have raised me with if I come from that kind of environment. And so it's it can be very hard to balance the two, but we end up with what is a very toxic masculinity. And when women are typically more able to be emotionally vulnerable with each other and with men in general, just because that isn't the same, doesn't come with the same kind of stigma culturally, then for uh, when a guy has experiences that emotional intimacy with, with a friend who's a woman, of course, it's going to seem like a huge thing. It's almost therapeutic. It is therapeutic for all the wrong reasons, but it is. And then just like projection, we yep. over-attach an importance to the individual allowing that expression. Whereas for a woman, that is more closer to the norm as far as that level of intimacy or expression of of their own. So we misread it and um, and project onto them. I would, I, and I love the the phrase that that this the commenter used. He says, uh, "I made my." I made my first girlfriend into an emotional dumping ground. She's supposed to fix you, Mm -hmm. supposed to take all those personal issues you have and somehow be the magic tonic for it all, which funnily enough only achieves making both of you miserable. Um, And that's absolutely correct. I, I, I think that that is spot on that because we're lacking that, that whole part of uh, we're lacking in development of that whole part of ourselves uh, the second that we have an environment where we can kind of let loose and it feels safe to do so, that's when we that's when we start opening those doors. And then we read way more significance into it 
just as a result of our upbringing and and backgrounds than there actually is to it. Yeah, and it and that brings up a whole lot even with the church because you know you know I've been around the church environment working in it for so long. Uh, I almost think Western Christianity has done the same with two different uh, items. The first would be marriage. That in many ways in the church we've made marriage along with this same line kind of magnified it to be the only safe spot to have any sort of emotional connectivity and intimacy with anybody. And that dumping ground comment that the the poster made really resonated with me there because I think so many of our marriages are set up to fail because we come into them. I know I did to my in my own marriage to a certain extent. I showed up in it, it was like, great. And then it became the dump truck of repressed yep. whatever I'd carried for 30 some years and just backed up and, you know, and dumped that on my wife. And then you wonder why that doesn't work out so great. Um, so again, this over idolization even of marriage and sex, not that, don't get me wrong, both you and I are married. I think we would both say as hard as it is, it's still worth it. Um, there's no institution that can be more heaven-like or more hell-like uh, than marriage for sure. But but that being said, I think because the church has overemphasized it, and please don't misread what I'm saying. If someone's like, "Ah, oh, he's about to say people don't have to be married," I'm not saying it's it, it's not an institution that, in my personal belief system, God is set up for good reason. But I I do think we've over idolized it, and that that has now become the only avenue for certain things, and outside of the sexual range, I think more than just sexual intimacy, we've made marriage the only intimacy capability. Yeah. Right. We don't have strong friendships. We don't have strong communities. We don't know. We've made churches unsafe even to be emotionally vulnerable in the least way uh, in those communities without significant punishment or drawback or pain. And and so we've set them up to be more toxicity-fueled and and dumping grounds, like they said. And then the second area I'd, I'd, I'd bring up is I think this is another struggle the church has had by ostracizing the LGBTQ the LGBTQ plus community within our churches no matter what you think about it theologically and and I don't mean this to come across maybe as seeming cliche either but right the that community tends to be viewed as more emotionally expressive and whether for good or for wrong what is it that they could be teaching the church about you know, even same-sex plutonic relationships. I'm not even saying sexually, like, you know, because then there's the church's yeah. problem where they think, oh no, if I start hanging out with them in a men's group, they're they're gay, so therefore they're going to be romantically attracted to me. It's almost the same problem again in reverse, where we think if yep. someone's emotionally open to you, that now the sexual component has to be there. But But I've often gone, what could they be doing to transform our religious communities and mm-hmm. learning how to have a you know open emotional same sex relationships that aren't necessarily sexual, yeah, right. And so that's that's just another random thought that, that comes into my mind. I've often wondered on, on on both extremes this emotional dumping ground thing, and 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 it's just it's just a call that we don't know how to have relationships. Period. Yeah, uh, we live in a world where nobody knows how to have healthy relationships, and we're paying for it. Yeah, I I mean I I would agree with all of that. I think many members of the LGBTQ plus community. Just, just by the nature of what their journey is, they've done a lot more self-reflection and discovery within the emotional realm and and figured out a lot more of that and also are, have also learned based on the rejection that they've received from people like Christians in the church that it really doesn't matter if someone else thinks that this isn't the right way to be. If this is the right way I feel to be, then I'm going to be it for better or worse. And yeah. I 
I would not surprise me going on what you said regarding even just the the misnomers that that some people have about you know being around a gay person will somehow make me gay because of whatever messed up ideas we have about what what that what being gay is and and what it actually what what causes it uh so to speak and i can't help but wonder if this entire idea is also one of the tiny steps that that or is a contributor to one of the steps that leads someone to cheat on their spouse because and and what i don't mean is i'm not excusing cheating in any way shape or form but right what i I think you're getting to the point what happens when you start having a friendship or relationship Correct. outside of your marriage where you become emotionally vulnerable. And you have no idea how to have one of those outside of a romantic relationship. It would be really easy to start confusing mm-hmm. this emo- this openness as, wait a minute, I only this only exists within the context of romance. So this has to, you know, and it's a subconscious thing, but it's just one of those tiny steps that 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 someone may take that eventually they, they turn around, they look back and realize that, Oh, they, they veered far off the path a long time ago. And, and now they're, they're full blown cheating on, on their significant other or their spouse. But for men, it wouldn't surprise me if this is one of the things that they go through in that process. I don't know. I haven't cheated, so I can't say, um, from personal experience, thankfully on this one, but it is a thought that I'm, I'm curious uh, if, I'm not saying that suddenly this would prevent everything, but it could if we can prevent one of those small steps, that'd be great. Uh, either way, and regardless, it like I said, this is not in any way okaying or excusing adultery in any in any form. This is simply me making an observation on one of the things that p- could potentially lead someone there. And I yeah, that there's symptoms of a greater dysfunction. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm. I mean, I guess I, I guess I'm curious. So I, I I've touched on one thing that I think is, which is redefining what emotional means, what what being an emotional human being means, um, and redefining what what that looks like. But I'm I'm curious. I mean, this thing is so culturally ingrained, and even from the perspective of if we only know it within the context of romance, and the only so the only times that guys are emotionally intimate are with people with, with their romantic partners and if they've had several relationships that have started and ended then they only have failed emotional intimate emotionally intimate experiences from their perspective of I may have been hurt by this person that I was emotionally intimate with so it makes sense now why a lot of them would then target any sort of emotional intimacy from or vulnerability from a male and say you know you're a, you're a you're you're a weak man or real men don't cry, or whatever, because they, it's a mm. self-protection of, it's a self-protection to to justify their decision to not be emotionally vulnerable themselves. It's an excuse to say yeah. that's a bad thing and I shouldn't do it, and if I can come up with all the reasons to justify you being a, being a worse version of a male than me, then I can be more comfortable in the fact that I'm not going to be emotionally intimate in my future. Yeah, it's a defense mechanism. We always do this. Yep, so. absolutely. Um, so I'm, yeah, I, I, my, my, as far as your thoughts on this, I'd love to hear what, I mean, what would you suggest is something we actually do about this from a Christian perspective and just in general? Well, I mean, in general is, and Christian both get the first initial answer, which is therapy. Amen. 
uh, you know, emotional well-being takes processing and time. And and we're honored that we get to have conversations like these in the public sphere on YouTube and, and people kind of witness us digging and picking apart our own thoughts and emotions and stuff to a certain extent. But we can't replace, and nor should we, uh, a licensed, trained clinical counselor, you know, a professional uh, that is taught how to help one figure out all these little subtleties that, that, you know, are impacting us in unhealthy ways. So that, that would be the first answer, like, get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's great. I mean, I've seen commercials lately. They have online versions now. You don't even have to leave your home. Just go in there. And I'm not going to say anyone particular because we're not being sponsored. Right. But go find it. There's ways to get therapy, right. And more insurances are covering them. And even if they don't, um, Every dollar spent in it is is it, it's worth it. And I get some people, you know, they're like, well, financially, I can't. I, I get there's conversations for that, and and society should make it more accessible. That could be an, another point on on both points. Um, as to the church, more specifically, because obviously that's a realm in which I work. I think I think this is a call again that we need to get back to basics about healthy interpersonal relationships, mm-hmm. um, and we need to start prioritizing relationships in the plutonic sense instead of I I think this is again we've we've touched on it. This is another consequence of the church idolizing marriage. Yep. And again, I get that marriage is great and I get that it's an Edenic institution and that God meant for wonderful things to happen out of it. But I I, I think something we miss uh, and I would even go back to Genesis language with this is before there was even the first marriage there is the statement that Adam and the woman were naked and not ashamed. Mm. And, and I'm not trying to get into all these people like, ooh, the boobs and whatever, but, you know, because the church, again, has over-sexualized everything that can't yep. function on understanding text. But in the Hebrew mindset, because, again, remember, the First Testament was written by Hebrews for Hebrews. So, uh, you know, you got to get this Western interpretive mindset out of your head. But that this idea of nakedness is, means there's nothing covering you. There's nothing. There's nothing preventing a full understanding or view of the other. And then this Hebrew phrase, "they were naked and not ashamed," was an idea that they could be totally transparent with one another, and they were perfectly validating and okay with that, right? And it's interesting that once, not to get overly theological, but once sin, once the fall, however you want to word it takes place in Genesis 3, the first sign that we have that something has gone terribly wrong is that this nakedness that before was not a problem for them, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden they interpret as a problem. They go, I am naked, and their first step is to try and cover themselves up. It's to try and modify uh, the appearance or people's accessibility to them. And, And ever since, right, we see that relationship immediately deteriorates, not only between God and them, but that Adam and the woman are throwing each other under the bus, uh, you know, blaming one another. There's a breakdown in relationship. And I think the church really needs to get back to an understanding of so much of what we do as humans, Christian and non-believer, right? We are covering, we are, ju- you know, we're always going through life. I even do this. I do this with church people all the time, right? You always are wanting to know how safe it is, how much of me do they get to see and it's safe for them mm-hmm. to do that, right? I mean, we do it to ourselves. How safe is it for me to really get in touch with myself? Why are so many people scared of therapy? Mm. Right, because I, I think we spend so so long trying to, and I think the social media age has like heightened this, and why it's become addictive to so many people uh, is that social media feels like a way that we can control what somebody sees about us. We can create the us that we've wanted, but we can't seem to navigate through. 
And, and therapy helps you get down to the root of it, but it digs away all of these fake clothing, I guess, to use spiritual language, right? I mean, Adam and the woman both went to fig leaves, as the story would go, to try and cover themselves. And the the irony about that is the very thing they went to to cover themselves was going to be their undoing because they'd never really understood the concept. You rip a leaf off, it's going to die, it's going to shrivel, it's going to get brittle, it's going to break. And I think so many areas, including this, where men are using women as their emotional dumping ground, where we've hypersexualized any and all relationships that you can't, I mean, we've almost become like ancient Rome, again, where the idea that you could not have an emotional connection to somebody without being interested in sex. Yep. Right. And then, and people just, so they mistook even the early church that was trying to care about people. And they're like, oh, so they must be having orgies and stuff because they, they always meet together and get emotional. Well, that doesn't necessarily have to imply sexuality. But, but again, we keep going to things like fig leaves to cover ourselves, to, to handle relationships. And the very things we're doing, the coping mechanisms, the defense mechanisms, men don't cry, whatever. Um, you're gay if you're emotional. All these things we do are actually deteriorating ourselves, deteriorating society and destroying the church. Yeah. So from a church perspective, that's a long way of saying we need to get back to understanding what human interpersonal plutonic relationships mean what God's ideal is for that, and recognizing that hand-in-hand with growing healthy relationships is having a healthy relationship with yourself. And that means get some therapy. Yeah. Learn how to name the emotions that you're actually experiencing. That that has been one of the key things even in the last several weeks that I've been that that I've been trying to do more is learning to identify what I'm feeling faster too and being able to name those those emotions. Um that is that has really helped me because it also helps me understand what whatever my compulsion is. If my compulsion to have a to take a certain course of action, uh if I'm feeling it very strongly, I need to be able to sit and identify why I'm feeling this compulsion. What is the actual root emotion that's causing me to go this route? That actually has stopped me from doing making bad decisions and as well as help me make good decisions. One thing too, that I, I recently, I I just finished actually, um, the day before we recorded this, just finished my, I want to say third or fourth, uh, therapy session, fourth or third, third, uh, therapy session with a new therapist and knowing that emotional intimacy was a problem. And even, even though I'd seen this comment a long time ago and hadn't really put two and two together at some level, I knew that I was always drawn to, when it came to sharing about my life, drawn to talking with a female. And I wanted to work on that. And so even in choosing my therapist, I actually intentionally chose a male specifically so that I could use those sessions as well as practical moments of of practicing emotional intimacy and sharing of myself too. And that was something that if you're someone who can identify that that's something you need to work on, that might be a good course of action. To, to take is to find a therapist who is a male so you can have a safe place, a guaranteed safe place, basically. Assuming it's a good therapist, you know, you can have bad experiences. I have had several. Um, yeah. The, uh, but, but assuming you can find a safe place to, to practice it, that's what, that's what it provides you. And I would say to women, too, if, if this is something you hadn't really given a lot of thought to, I, when I say there's something you can do to protect yourself, what I don't mean is it's your responsibility to make sure the man doesn't use you as an emotional dumping ground. What I am saying is if there is a male in your life that you are friends with, then out of that platonic care for them, this is something that you can do to help them become a better man and to become a better person and more the person that that God is even calling them to be. And so um, I would say 
having proper boundaries for yourself and being able to recognize when you're being used as an emotional dumping ground, but also, um, and putting a stop to that, but also helping encourage your friends to go to each other for, uh, for, or with emotional vulnerability too, encouraging them saying, Hey, I really appreciate you sharing all of this with me and, and being willing to talk about this. I'm, I, you know, just are, are, are these things you also talk about with, with your other guy friends or like, you know, are there other guy friends that you share this with too? I don't want to be the only person that you, that you share this with. I believe that this is important for you to be able to share with your friends and the people that care about you. And I think that is a perfectly healthy and safe conversation to have um, because it may even help leading, help lead that guy to understand that some of his friendships are actually toxic. Um, I say all of that once again, uh, to say, do that out of the care of being a good friend, but also having proper boundaries so that you aren't taken advantage of by a guy who is unwittingly doing this. Um, and for guys, I would say, yeah, we need to practice being emotionally intimate. I mean, Henry and I, even in this conversation, identified one of the kind of coping mechanisms that we use when we're being emotionally vulnerable. And I think that that's something that both of us, even without saying just in the subtext of this conversation have realized, yeah, we need to work on, uh, we need to work on that. And so in, in being more emotionally vulnerable and, and open with each other without the temptation to, to go into some overly dramatic, um, essentially gay joke that is overall offensive and not something yeah. that, that we should be doing. And so I'm, you know, I'm excited and also nervous to put that into practice because it's going to feel weird and it's going to feel awkward and that's okay. Um, well, it's risk. Yeah. Right. That's I mean, exactly that, what it that is. That was one thing I wanted to jump in there. Some, sometimes we need to be careful again, like society, that it's not always the woman that has to fix something. Now it's her fault. She needs to put appropriate Correct. boundaries. That's for why guy. I was trying very uh, hard to not imply that. Right. Right. Exactly. I mean, guys, we got to own up. Yeah. Right. We need to be men and realize it's going to take some vulnerability. It's going to take risk. It's going to be take being the brunt of a few jokes, I'm sure, to try and move in that direction. But here's one thing I, I, I have no shame in saying. If the joke continues too much from someone else for you doing that, that just proves that they're not in the stage in their journey that they can be non-toxic with you. And you might need to rethink your friends. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's nothing personally against them. It just means they're not on that part of the journey, but you can't use other people's lack of being far on the journey as a, as a reason to stunt your own growth, because that's another problem that everybody always points to the other. Well, I'm better than them. And I'm not that, especially from a Christian perspective, I would argue, right? The apostle Paul in the new Testament makes comments over and over again, where he goes, right. You know, we judge ourselves by ourselves. And in the end we're fools, mm -hmm. right? You're just going to stay stupid. If you think, well, everybody else is stupid. I don't have to be better than that. Come on, right? You know, you owe this to yourself. You owe this to the people that are in your lives uh, not to be that. So so what if these other men won't get it, right? And I know there's part of that like, well, but I need them to, you know, I'm sitting here listening to this conversation, even thinking of, you know, interpersonal issues I have with some members of my extended family or my wife's side of the family or whatnot, and, and some stubbornness there where there's some men that are, again, emotionally unavailable or, uh, you know, Ryan kind of knows what I'm dancing around. I, yes, I— Be yep. careful, man, that on, on, on YouTube in a public platform that you don't, like, drag your wife's family into it. That's why I'm trying to dance around this because, like, that's not healthy either uh, or could be misconstrued in the fact that we're kind of working through this online. But, but, but yeah, you know, there's part of you like, well, I won't engage in the journey because until they're willing to admit— Just stop. Just— 
get yourself together. That was kind of the thing. Uh, even my wife and I were having discussions with the other day about something. It's like, well, maybe we should just preemptively get some couples therapy and learn how to better address these things instead of just waiting for the big crisis to come yeah. and blow up in our face um, and then have a big, you know, nuclear mm. infected hole to dig out of, right? You know, you owe it to people. Just let's learn how to be emotionally available in appropriate ways and expressive in appropriate ways. And let's not leave it to the, to, to women or to other men or to other people or other people to, move that iceberg, start chipping away at it yourself. Cause if everybody keeps using excuses not to, they won't. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the bottom line is when I look at my marriage and our relationship for the two years prior, I, pr any, not any, but I can pretty confidently say that a lot of problems that I may have caused or that I was the cause of were almost, I can almost guarantee you were rooted in my lack of understanding of my own emotions. And the lack of me having taken the time to process some of the some of the crap that I need to process and sift through of my own life. Bottom bottom line is the longer eventually it comes out expressed in some way, shape, or form. And it will affect others around. It's not just something we can carry inside. And I get that for a lot of us, we won't me saying that isn't enough. You're going to have to experience it for yourself to, to really understand it or feel the need to do something about it. But I can pretty confidently say that had I taken time earlier in my life to really get to know myself and learn how to accept and, and process and, and, and deal with the emotions that I have and experience both about myself and the world around me. Yeah. There were a lot of things that we still may have gone through, but could have been handled a lot differently or could have been handled a lot more smoothly. Um, and I would say absolutely agree with you that men need to own up and, and deal with this. It is not the woman's responsibility to make you emotionally vulnerable or intimate. And it's up to you to take the, the risk um, because it's your stuff. It's not theirs. And I am tired of, of uh, saying that it's the woman's responsibility to take, to fix a man's problem. The most that a woman can do is support and encourage and have healthy boundaries around herself. This is the man, this is your yeah. job as a man to, to, to address. And so, I mean, this is another big problem with a lot of failed romantic relationships. Let's be honest. The only woman at any time in your life that has any sort of either need to or right to or should try any sort of, quote, emotional fixing of you is your mom. Mm. But that is not fair of your significant other, your wife, your spouse, you know, whatever, uh, to make them your mother. Yeah. Right? I think that's another societal joke, but there is some truth to it. They're like, well, that's, you know, it's fine to be a mama's boy when you're 10, not when you're 38. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I'm close to my mom still, but I've come to a point to recognize that my mom's job is not to keep fixing me and my spouse didn't just take my mom's place and now fix me. Yeah. All right. Own it. You're an adult now, or I would hope you consider yourself adult. So act like one. Yep. Right. And that, no, that doesn't mean you just double down and no matter if you don't know what you're doing, you just keep pushing forward. No, that's again, go get help as an adult, but that's what therapists are for. Not your spouse, not your mom. 
unless I guess in a weird way, your mom is a clinically trained psychologist <laughs> or psychiatrist. But at the same point, that's probably conflict of interest. That's not going to help you have the disimpassioned, disinvested view that you need. So probably go find someone else. Nothing against your mom. I'm sure she's great and helping people through it with her clinical training. But just go get help. Yeah, absolutely. Um, both Henry and I are people who have gotten help and are getting help. We're not people that are saying this without any sort of uh, disconnection from this. So this is a journey that both of us are currently on. And uh, if it would help anyone in, in this in, in this journey for themselves, uh, Henry, I'll, I'll be the first to demonstrate, uh, which is just saying, Henry, man, I love you. I am really grateful for uh, your friendship and the way that you've impacted my life and encouraged me to be a better man as well. And the ways that you've taught me about myself, about marriage, um, about both what to do and what not to do. Um, but man, a I, lot of what not to do. <laughs> I'm really grateful for someone that I can trust uh, with, with pretty much I feel every every part of me uh, and every part of my story. And that's something that I don't, haven't found often, and it's something I'm really grateful for that I found in you. Oh, um, so. That's well, without yeah. without the seeming like it's a, it's a a pressured or coerced just love fest. I would definitely second all of that and and return. But uh, to uh, and I think you know that. But I would also express a thank you for the willingness to be vulnerable with that because I'd be the first to admit I haven't always handled that the best. I mean, we were just talking about that. You and I both do pretty good when there's not others around, but then others get around and we get weird. And sometimes I'm the first initiator of the weird jokes. Mm. Um. You know, if we even thought about even recently, I remember even at the photo shoot for your wedding, right? We were yeah. kind of, play, sometimes we overplay it with your own wife, right? We kind of play up that, aha, we're gay secretly and love each other more than you guys. And we yeah. were picking on our spouses like, you guys are out of luck. I mean, we even, and, we even maybe both joked with our wives that you and I would have our own photo shoot post-wedding. <laughs> Correct. Like that's how and, far and so that, some of you might chuckle that even. goes. Exactly. And some of you might laugh and be like, oh, it's innocent fun. And maybe there is, but there, but whether it's in, the intent is innocent or not, that doesn't negate the fact that as we mature and grow, we can learn that even in innocence, there can be harm or pain or Correct. unhealthy behavior. Um, and so I just thank you for being part of that journey with, with me as well. And, and, and I thank you that I, I'm pretty certain knowing going forward, we're both going to help hold each other accountable to that. Yeah. And and even as, as vulnerable as it is, I guess I'd turn it around and thank you guys, the viewers, that for whatever reason keep allowing us to speak into your life and, and mm. sit 30, 40, an hour, hour and 15 sometimes with us, even though you don't know us personally per se, and and allow us to work through these things. And I say thank you for the ways in which you healthily try and hold us accountable as well. If you watch an episode... Um, you know, I mean, I guess even rear ones that have already been recorded and up for a while before we had these revelations, you know, if you feel free to comment and be like, hey, dudes, uh, you know, I, we get what you're trying to do and we appreciate your growth. But there's this one part in this episode back here where you guys were just kind of, you know, you were playing that game. You were being awkward. You were being overly jokey like that. And uh, and, and a spirit of love, you know, work on that. Now, no, no, we're not going to go back and self-censor ourselves. No. Uh, first of all, because Ryan, because Ryan's their main editor, Ryan don't got time to do that. Okay, he ain't going back to every episode and figuring out where we were dumb. Because uh, if that's the case, we wouldn't have episodes, right? So, I mean, but uh, I mean, that's part of the vulnerability. You guys are seeing our progression in a recorded format, open to the public. But, yeah. But you know, from the date of this recording moving forward, especially, you know, help hold us accountable, and we appreciate that. And and again, not that it's your job to fix this either. 
Because we all know, where has a comment section ever changed somebody's life for the positive? Yeah, right, exactly. Um, well, okay, so, you can be the first, uh, and you can help change our lives for the positive. That, that's right. Make a difference on YouTube. Um, <laughs> be the change you want. Whatever. But uh, my whole point was, you know, uh, thank you guys. Help hold us accountable. But, yeah, that was that was my contribution to Perfect. that love fest. I love it. Um and yeah, thank you, Henry. And I, I co-sign again all of the accountability uh, points that you brought up. I think it is something that we will work on and grateful for viewers who do the same and have been patient with us as we are on our own journey as well. So uh, to viewers and listeners, uh, please give us some feedback. Uh, let us know your thoughts in the comment section on YouTube. Uh, review the podcast on, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Let us know how we're doing so that we can continue to make improvements to the show. Um, one of the improvements we need to make is consistent release schedules, but that's on me. Um, and if you have any interest in helping us with that, I'm not going to say it's no. On, it's on. I was going to say it's on both of us in the sense that I will admit Ryan's the one with the technical skill in this area, and I probably could learn the technical skill on this area. But I've got a lot of time, and I need to learn some time management skills too. So yes. don't throw yourself under the bus, Ryan. No worries. Uh, it's all good. <laughs> but thank you, everyone, so much for listening, for being on the journey with us, and we'll see you next week.